I'm your host Maria Benjamin and today I'll be talking to wedding photographer, businesswoman and Lake District farmer Lisa Berry. I started this podcast because I wanted to find out more about the roles other women play in farming and Lisa like me is new to farming but her journey is very different to mine. So perhaps Lisa you could start by talking about your work history up until you found farming. Yes definitely. I started my working life as a bug roll saleswoman. (laughs) (laughs) I was um, a European account manager for Kimberly Clark and the common denominator is bog rolls, even though there were napkins and centipede and other paper products. um, But I always felt like Mr Ben, so I'd go out to work every day and then put on this different persona and be somebody else for the day and be nice and clean and tidy and make my hair straight and neat and not understand a word of any of the financials that everybody was talking about. And then I'd go home and be me again. Mm. Um, And then I got cheesed off with that. And then one day I watched the Bridges of Madison County, and Clint Eastwood is a photographer for National Geographic in that film, and he has this steamy love affair with Meryl Streep. And it was the bit where he went into the kitchen and he said, can I put my film in your fridge? And I just knew I was meant to be a photographer. So I went out and bought a camera and a magazine on photography and taught myself how to be a photographer. But and then, you must have been good at selling bog roll. I was pretty good at it because I had a good relationship with my customers and I liked the customer thing. Mm. And I was very straightforward and always did what I said I would do when I said I would do it. Mm-hmm. And so my customers liked me, Yeah. but my boss hated me. Really? Yeah, he hated me because I didn't conform to the the kind of blueprint of a salesman with mm. a patter and I wouldn't conform to it and I would never put my whereabouts calendar in because I always said, well, if you don't trust me, sack me. Mm. And often I was in Selfridges, to be honest. <laughs> 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 when I should have been in Stevenage talking to Seduxo, I was in Selfridges. Because I did it on the phone. It's a four-hour drive. I can do it on the phone. Wow, why go there? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I did kind of... Um, I didn't play by the rules. I'm not. I'm not good at rules. Mm. I don't like yeah. rules. So I mean. you definitely needed to be your own boss. Yeah, I did. Yeah, most mm. definitely. Mm. Um, so yeah. So, so you learned photography with an idea of it being a business, or definitely, I knew I wanted to be a wedding photographer. But I didn't want to do it. This was 14 years ago. 30, yeah, coming up to 14 years, I didn't want to do that whole line you up on the lawn in every combination of the family. I wanted to tell a story, and that meant kind of warts and all, and the funny bits and the sad bits, and just just fly-on-the-wall documentary stuff, really. And I was one of the first people to start really doing it like that. Mm. So I Because you have got a great reputation as a wedding photographer. Yeah, because I think I started earlier. It's much Mm. harder now to get into it, because everybody thinks they're a photographer these days. Mm. Yeah, Um, they buy a bit of kit, and then... and there's a lot of competition. But I think because I got in early and I built up a reputation... Yeah, that's, that's and I've been fully booked every year. I think I was I got twenty weddings in my first year. Wow! So I went down to three days a week selling bog rolls, and uh-huh. then um, then I gave my job up pretty mm-hmm. much. Well, I gave it up in winter, which was a fail because really few people get married in winter. So kind of you sat there with no money coming in, waiting for the phone to ring, thinking you want my job. <laughs> uh, but it all turned out okay. And yeah, I love it. I can't actually think about doing anything else. And I think it was definitely what I was meant to do. Yeah, I like telling those stories with um, 
with photographs. I like what I give to people actually. I like what it means to them. It's their family treasure. It's the thing they'd run out of the house with if the house was on fire. Mm, yeah, but I think also your personality, people like being around you or they feel... I think you I'm know, quite you're... a warm, open person. Yeah. And I'm expecting that back from them to get a good photograph. Mm. So I think if you give it first, they find it very easy to give it back. Yeah, yeah. And you're not just someone feeling a bit apologetic in the corner. Yeah. And I'm not a kit person. I'm not. My camera's just an extension of me. I'm not. I'm not a knobs and buttons person. Mm. I don't know what half the buttons do on yeah. the camera. I know what I need to know. Mm. Um, and when I need to know something else, I'll learn it and figure it out. Mm. Um, so you moved um, from. Where was it? Not Manchester. Uh, it was Bolton, yeah. Bolton, from, yeah. Well, I grew up all over the place because my dad's job moved us around. And I, I, think, I think of home, uh, Altrincham as home because I spent most of my years there and my mm. teenage years there. Um, and then I went back to Bolton and then I met Rob, who's from uh, Windermere, mm-hmm. and then couldn't wait to move up here and get out of Bolton. Mm. So that was, it'll be five years in January. So how did you meet Bob? So he was, I taught wedding photography for a local photography school. I taught wedding photography and um, I needed some PR shots doing. And the lady that owned the business decided that Rob should be the person that should take my photograph for those PR shots. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, it was, he came into the room and um, I had to go and breathe into my bag. <laughs> Because I went lightheaded, and I remember thinking to myself, "Oh no, 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 not this, no, not this, no." It was instant. I instantly fancied him. He stood there like a big lemon in the doorway with a duffel coat on, and he was hung over. And um, I was just about to start, and he was nearly late. He was just about on the door, the last person to come in the room, and I had to excuse myself and go to the loo and breathe into a bag because I started to go a bit. You know, it's, it's I can't explain it. I just really fancied him. Oh. And um, yeah, and then I couldn't work my reflector all day, and he was kind of saying, "Well, your reflector's not reflecting any light because you're not holding it to the light." So I went all stupid and, <laughs> and, and dozy, giggly. Yeah, yeah. I did. I oh. did. I made an ass of myself. Yeah. Um, but you must have found that endearing. I think he did. Yeah, I mm. think he did. Um, yeah. So um, and then he had to take my photograph, and then we were flirting a bit down the lens, and and that was it really. Um, he moved down to Bolton. And um, kept leaving his car unlocked because you can do that in the late district. And then he had about three lots of equipment nicked out of the back of his car before he realised that actually in Bolton you do have to lock your car. <laughs> <laughs> and was that was did that kind of make you want to move up here where you can leave your car unlocked? Or? I think so. Yeah, I just mm. I'm not that sociable really. I, I mm. I'm sociable at work, but I've got a camera in front of my face. It's a bit of a barrier. Mm. And I'm I am think I think I am fairly introverted I like my own personal space and mm. I like being just with me I quite like myself actually mm. and I like just being with me I'm happy yeah. with me I'm happy with my dogs yeah um, and I, I just like the isolation of now living up here mm. yeah so you moved here how many years ago it'll be five years in January mm. five years and in it those is. five years quite a lot's changed a lot has changed yes we so it's a dilapidated well it's getting there now but it was a very very run down bank barn that was that's in farmland and it belonged to rob's granddad and the farmhouse is where rob's granddad lived um he passed away about 10 years ago and then his wife carried on living in the farmhouse 
and um, they he used to leave all the doors open to the barn and the shippen so that the farmer who rented the land his sheep could go in in winter mm. so he was a real animal lover mm. and had lots of dogs and um, and this was just a run down old barn um, yeah. there was still poo on the floor and bits of old straw on the floor when we moved in and one half of it had been done in the 70s and it was kind of like a it's like this weird little chalet in this massive barn with, mm. with polystyrene ceiling tiles. Yeah, I remember it. And I um, thought, oh, that's not really your style. No, it seemed really odd that no, you were living there. I know, I know. And I, the only reason I got through it was because I look out the window at the view. Mm. And it just made it all better. Because mm. I am a really visual person and everything's got to be a visual thing. Mm. And... Um, well, I see that now in the way that you've designed the house. It's amazing. Yeah. Everything looks like you can photograph it. Looks yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, Every corner. That's just what I'm just wired like that. I like things to look nice. I like colour palettes and I like nice stuff. And um, yeah, so we're getting there. We've only done half of it, but we are mm. getting there. And I feel I feel good now that I've got somewhere nice to live. Mm. And can you talk about how you ended up with livestock? Yes, I can. So we'd lived here for a, a, a year, almost a year, and uh, the the farmer had always rented the land off Rob's granddad um, and had sheep on it. And um, I noticed that the second winter that we were here, some of the I found a dead sheep up by the by the main farmhouse up the lane, and I ran over to the na- neighbouring farm. Um, hysterical, like a proper city girl. <laughs> there's a dead sheep. There's a dead sheep, and something's pecked its eyes out. And I, I think I was crying. And the farmer uh, Martin lives um, with his mum and sister, and his mum was in, and she gave me a cup of tea and a caramel shortbread and settled me. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "They're actually not Martin's sheep. They're um, another farmer's sheep, two farms down the lane." Um, and I started to notice that they weren't being fed and other farms nearby were having hay put out and feed. And honestly, I didn't know one sheep from another then. I really didn't. I didn't even notice that sheep were different colours. <laughs> they were just... I, I, yeah, they yeah. were just sheep in the landscape. Mm. I just really had never noticed them. them. No, I hadn't. Mm. Um, so anyway, I, I, I went back over when Martin was in and said, well, I need to feed them. What shall I do? Where shall I go? And he said, well, you go to a farm supplies and you buy some bags of feed and then you just put feed out for them once a day. And mm. he, he said, if you put it out in little piles so far apart, then they'll, they'll all come and eat it. And then another one died and I started to have a bit of a fit about this. I wasn't happy about this at all. So I went back over to Martin's and I'm sure I was the bane of his life at that point. Mm. And I said, I need to know who they are and what, what to do. And he said, well, the, the, this guy's down there. Just go and talk to him. Mm. So this guy down there is quite a scary guy and mm. he's, not, he's not the best reputation. He's, he's an angry man and everybody knows he's an angry man. So I was a bit mm. scared and I had to work up to it. And one sunny day, I, I, I went down, he's a dairy farmer, and um, I went down when he was milking and said, um, uh, David, these sheep that you have, uh, they're dying and you're not looking after them. And he said, well, what do I want with a load of bloody sheep? I'm a, I'm a dairy farmer and they were my dad's sheep and my dad's dead now. So I Gosh. said, well, you, you can't just leave them to die. Um, you'll, you, you should give them to me and I'll look after them. 
And he said, well, what are you going to do with them? I said, well, I'm going to do more than you're going to do with them. I'm going to feed them and look after them for a start. And he said, well, what about when they start to lamb in March? And my response was, well, how hard can it be? Which is usually my response to most things that I can't do. Because really, how hard can it be? So I went back home and... um, after saying to him, I need some hay and feed on my drive back, because I'd start to get angry with him because of his response to me. And he really didn't care about them, and then that made me really cross. Anyway, Rob, Rob, I'd gone out and Rob phoned me and said, there's a farmer on the drive and he's got hay and feed. So I said, good. Wow. So um, through photography, I had met a guy who had some nice longhorns, mm-hmm. Nathan, who you know. Mm. and um, I'd been speaking to Nathan about sheep and cows and this, that and the other. And then I had met his uncle, your mm-hmm. other half, John, because he had some highlands. So then when my next sheep decided to nearly die, I phoned John. Mm. And yeah. John came skidding up in his Land Rover with some medicine, and we called this little sheep. He was, he was well, well, he... Would he have been a shearling? I don't think he'd been sheared. I think he was still a lamb, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think he was was still a lamb. lamb. So John injected him with things and gave him vitamins and told me that he had fluke and Mm. we put him underneath in the shippen and we didn't think he'd survive. But then he did and five days later he came tottering out and was back in the land of the living and um, I named him Jez. And it sort of started there and then they all started having lambs and I literally lived on YouTube mm. and learned how to lamb on YouTube. And the first one that I actually had to help with that was stuck, I'd set my video camera up and put my nice warm coat on and got a flask of hot chocolate and sat there and watched this you labour and it was going on for too long. And I phoned John and said, this has been going on for too long. And he said, well, you're going to have to get stuck in then, aren't you? So I went in and turned around and I saw a tail. Mm. And that's all I could see, a tail. So I just thought, right, come on, you've got to get to grips with this now. So I got my lube Mm. and I got my hand in there and I got two little hooves and a tail and I pulled as hard as I could and I pulled hard and down because that's what YouTube told me to do. And this huge lamb came out and I weighed myself and then I weighed myself holding this lamb and he was 19 pounds. Oh my God. And that is Isaac Hayes. Yeah. So we now have Jazz and Isaac Hayes and um, then all these others started to lamb and mostly it was fine. And then mm. there was one that wouldn't come and John had to come and help and we had to stand this sheep on its head and we pulled out Aretha Franklin. <laughs> as you do and then it just became this massive love affair yeah so from 24 really old knackered sheep we've now got 75 summer pedigree blue-faced lesters summer pedigree suffolks and some of the old girls and the old boys from the old days from the first year that reminded me why i love it and they're not for profit they're just for me because i love them mm, yeah and so it's quite, um, you got into farming before Rob, but he seems, yeah, he's you've got kind a of bug pulled up, yeah, he seems he's got to. A bug. Well, you see, farming is hard work for a woman mm. because there's a lot of heavy stuff to lift. So I just roped him in. I mean, I could, I could weight train and get stronger and I'm reasonably strong, I think, for a woman, but there is still some stuff that I struggle with. Mm. So I get him to help me and I'm never mucking out that shipping. So I get him to do it. 
And so because he's been doing it and we've been doing it together, he's got to love it. Mm. I think I think we're probably equal in the love of it now. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, now where instead of getting married, Claire, I get ruminant news. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's funny, isn't it, how those things change? That the you know, I, I used to spend a lot on moisturizers yeah. and stuff, and now I think, God, that would buy a sheet. Yeah, you know, I can't yeah. spend that now. Yeah. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I have other priorities. Yeah, absolutely, it's taken me um, a, a while. Well, it's taken me. T- so this year was the first year that I built up the courage, and whatever it takes to take some meat to to take some lambs to get the meat back. Yeah. And they were my they were my boys, my my little boy lambs. And I can't just keep keeping everything. Yeah. I just can't keep keeping everything. And um I took some to the auction house this year and and then I looked at all these big trucks and thought, well they could be going anywhere and I thought if I'm gonna do this properly, I want to be in control of the whole thing. Mm. So I chose the the slaughterhouse. I even hate the word slaughterhouse. I wish it was called something else. I don't know what to call it, but I just don't like that word. No, I the, don't. The thing, I just the thing the it makes me think of is yeah, the abattoir. I took them to the abattoir myself, and I thought, well, I don't want them to go for kosher meat because I don't want them to. I want mm. them to be stunned before they're slaughtered. And I've had I've wrestled with all of this. It's been really hard, and I've kind of thought I could do it, and then I've gone, I can't do it. I can't do it and then I can do it and then I did do it and I felt better for being in control of the whole thing mm. and looking after their welfare from from being Start born the life, to the to end the of end. their life yeah. and knowing that they're going they're nourishing people yeah they yeah. are nourishing people yeah and and they're people was, appreciate yeah it and, and I was proud of the meat that came yeah. back and and then I spoke to somebody who and he said well the reason the meat was good is because the animals are relaxed and well looked after. Yeah. And I'm proud of myself for that. And um, I'm going to take my first bullock to the abattoir, hopefully. Um, I think I can still do it. <laughs> mm. But it was, it's funny, I heard somewhere <clears throat> recently, maybe it was another podcast, that when... When people think about um, how agriculture started and they thought people just domesticated certain animals because they were docile or whatever, um, uh, to eat them. But actually, it, it they think now that maybe, or some people say that it wasn't actually like that and it's just people had a natural, and animals are interested in people and then this natural bond happened and you kept animals, but because it produced so much you know, you had to do something with them and yeah. nourishing yourself and your community was one of the things that you could yeah. do. Yeah. So it does, it is a natural progression and so even though maybe you you didn't want to eat them at first, in a way, as you as you progress, um, it just becomes like the only solution to be able to keep animals and yeah. feed them. I mean, I eat meat, I love meat and I'll always eat meat. It's not that. It's eating ones that I've, brought up mm. it felt a bit like eating your children mm. <laughs> it's a strange thing and and I know people kind of say well don't be daft but it's not daft because it's how I feel but I am making progress and I am feeling better about the progress that I'm making um I also added up how much it had cost me in the last four years mm-hmm. and it had cost me 13,000 pounds 
including quite a lot of fencing, to be fair. Fencing was a big chunk of that. I think fencing yeah. was probably six or seven thousand pounds. But it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's it a is. lot of money. It's not a it's not it's um, not a hobby. It's it, it too expensive be. to be a hobby. Yeah. So there's got to be something it's got to pay for itself. Yeah. Um I, f- I fell in love with blue face letters because of you actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love them because they're a bit like dogs. They give you so much back. Mm. Oh, they do. Yeah, I love them as well. Yeah, they're, they're, so, they're just so friendly and lovely. And um, they come over and let you pet them. And they wait for you at the gate in the mornings because they know what time they're being fed. And I really enjoy having those. And I'm enjoying breeding those for, yeah. for breeding stock. Yeah. Um, no, the breeding side of it is amazing. Yeah. And although lambing time is really hard work and stressful and the highs and lows it's like a major roller coaster but it's the best time of year yeah i mean that I, I can't believe the amount of things that go wrong with sheep you think they're just in the field and they just get on with it and that is so far from the truth mm. there are so many things that happen and every year i think there can't be anything else that this throws at me now that I don't know about. There can't be, but there is. Yeah. So one year it was prolapse, prolapse, prolapse. Everything had a prolapse. Mm. And then the second year I had Schmallenberg virus mm. and one of my ewes gave, well, that it ended up being a cesarean set and they were all twisted up and fused together and dead. And then there have been times where I've just cried and said, I can't do this because I'm not experienced enough and I'm, I'm in charge of something's life. Mm. And... People say, yeah, but look, remember all those ones that you took on? They yeah. would have all been dead if you hadn't done that. So you have to kind of just go back to that and get some positivity out of that. Yeah, and, and there's lots that come out fine as well. There are, but... there are. But it gets you down, doesn't it, when oh, you're yeah. responsible? Yeah, absolutely. If you've done it, so if you feel it's your fault, I mean, some sometimes it's, or most cases, it's absolutely not your fault. But if you've forgotten to do something or yeah. there's some reason that you could have avoided it, a death and oh it's yeah. so painful yeah you do so yeah and beat I, yourself I've up just felt it. like you know a few times I've just felt like giving in and saying I can't do this it's too hard it's too hard but then it's not too hard no but I think a hospital must sometimes when I think about the farm and I think you know when things do die and you get so upset I think in the hospital it's the same there must be lots yeah. of people that just die because yeah and as and um um you know, in the sort of maternity ward as well, it's not going to be straightforward, all no. these women having babies really easily just as they're lying in bed, you know. There's always drama, and I think each situation is different, yeah. and it's the same with the sheep. Yeah, and you just have to look at the good things that you've done and the lovely lambs that are running around and the lovely sheep that you've grown and mm. that are still around and, and knowing that they're having a nice life. It's really important to me that they're having a nice life. Yeah. And actually... In winter, on really bad weather days, I would rather have my husband in the field and the sheep in the house, if I'm honest with you. Oh, yeah, no, I, I absolutely hate bad weather. I just, all I can think about is bringing everything, yeah. you know, yeah. into the yeah. into shelter. We've had lambs, um, sickly lambs, next to the bed and buckets. Yeah, been oh, we've had them in buckets, and it's yeah. just... You, can, you, can't, you look down and think, if someone had said to me five years ago that this was my, this would be my life, I would have laughed my head off and said, yeah. there's no way. I know, me too, but I absolutely love it. Yeah. And I like being able to transform and, and you know, just learn new stuff. Yeah. And, um, it's such a rewarding, heartwarming, tough thing to do. Mm. It's, it's, there's, there's, it's balanced with 
there's lovely bits of it and then there's horrible bits of it. Mm. But can you imagine not doing it? Can no. you imagine like just having a city life where you have no. none of these animals? No. I can't imagine that. I can't that imagine that. I can't. I can't. It would it just it feels like a whole other world away that living down there mm. with street lights. Yeah. And traffic driving past. Yeah. I, can't, I don't think there's a day goes by that I don't look out of my window over this belt and, and say, I can't believe that I live here. How on earth did this happen to me? Mm. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. No, it's, it's great as well just to feel really privileged in yeah. your situation yeah. and, and respect that. Yeah. Um, so what would be, I think we're probably... Coming to the end, I think. Okay. Yeah, because I can smell dinner. Yeah, because I'm starving. I'm really <laughs> What would be your dream farm? What would it look like and what would you have? Oh, gosh. I'd have a lovely, lovely building with lighting and water and storage to have all my nice medicines and my, my nutritional supplements all neat and not shoved in buckets full of crap like they always end up. You start with good intentions. I know. I'd have a lovely building. Um, I'd have a baby monitor for lambing because Lester's are really good at telling you when they're in labour and I'd have it linked to my bedroom so that I could go to sleep and then they'd, they'd call me on the baby monitor when and they were ready. Down, and you could run down, yeah. run down, yeah. Um, I'd like some more land. We've got about 50 acres. I'd like some more land. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to buy land around the house. Mm. There are a few knackered old farmers that don't look as though they've got that long left. Um That'd be nice. That needs to happen in two or three years, though, I think. It can't happen yet because I won't be able to afford it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to have a really beautiful, beautiful flock of Leicesters that when when walkers come down, they think, oh, my goodness, look at those beautiful sheep. Yeah. I would. Um, Sorry, my dogs are barking. (laughs) They're all going to start barking. It's all right. I think with the mics on, they probably don't pick up too much sound. I'd um, I'd like to do something with the wool. From the mm. masters. Yeah. Um, and I'd like some more cows. I mm-hmm. love cows. I always started off wanting cows. I was the cow girl. And um, it's funny that I've ended up with all these sheep. And, and then I have got two cows. But I'd like to expand that. But I need more equipment and I need a building. I need a tractor. I'd like a tractor. I'd like a tractor that's got yellow flowers painted on it. And it would, it's my husband's over my dead body. You'll be painting flowers on your tractor. <laughs> but I would like a tractor that I can paint flowers on. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I'd like it to all be near my house. Yeah. No, I love... That's my dream as well, having the... Because we've got a road, quite a busy road that runs through, you know, separates the farmhouse from um, the farm buildings yeah. and the land. And our land is scattered everywhere. And I would love to be in the middle and just be surrounded by our fields yeah. and that's it. I think the highlight of my year this year was making my own hay. Mm. Oh, that gave me so much pleasure. Yeah. And it was such a lovely summer. Yeah, it was amazing for him. Bringing haymaking. all those horribly heavy bales in, in all that golden light mm. and being scratched to death with it. It didn't matter. It was just one of the best days of my year. And, and having to go driving a tractor and not tipping the load off the back. <laughs> it was the highlight of the year. So, Brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. It's been lovely. Thanks for having me.